0: change is inevitable everyone shifts welcome to a conversation about currently changing human behaviors and how we can either get ahead or fall behind hosted by rick shaughnessy and charlie witkowski founders of timecraft timecraft helps brands do the right thing today so they're prepared for tomorrow take it away fellow humans
1: welcome guys welcome to everyone shifts Today we have my friend Dory Wilson Bright. She is a marketing expert in the payments processing space, and today we're going to talk to her about the future of money—something mm. we're all interested in.
0: Yes, I hope so. <laughs> um, so, Dory, since I don't—I don't know you as well as Rick, uh, could you give us a little background on your experience and uh, kind of your role and your expertise, just to get everybody situated? Sure.
2: And uh, thank you, by the way, for inviting me to this. This is really a fun, you know, fun opportunity for me. And uh, yeah, I I started out in uh, fintech. I I have many years in financial services for marketing, but I've been in fintech and with fintech with payments for more than 15 years. And while in some ways it feels like 30 years, um, (laughs) I feel like it's always evolving and in that aspect of it. I can't really say I'm an expert, truly an expert in everything, especially a lot of the evolution that's happening right now, but I'm certainly super interested in it. And I do, you know, I spend a lot of time talking to people that are in the space and, and just sort of talking about what we think could come. If That helps.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess one question you said, like, it feels like 30 years, which I assume is just because of the speed of it is... <laughs> It is. is. It, it
2: evolves very quickly. So, so. W-
0: so when you started, what was kind of the landscape? Just to kind of bring us through, was it, um, you know, pre like digital transactions, or what, what was kind of the in- initial innovation that that you? Yeah. We were so uh,
2: when I when I got started, it on the first I was on the issuing side of credit card, right, mm-hmm. and uh, that was really, you know, you're starting to figure out different ways for people to use loyalty points and rewards. So a lot of the marketing effort became building the surround to that. What were the customer benefits? How could they start to use these things primarily online? By the way, I have a very heavy digital background. Mm-hmm. And again, it gets back to, is the customer finding value in this you know, product or solution that you offer? And from there, when I got uh, uh, shifted basically over to what they call a merchant acquiring or, you know, merchant services side, then it was like, well, how, how do you get these customers to be able to pay with these different formats, whether it's a credit card, debit card, and the evolution of e-commerce. So at the time, it was really a lot of point of sale. Um, retailers back then, some people will remember this, were customizing the point of sale solution on their counters and things like that. So like if you went into a -a Build-A-Bear, they had a fun Build-A-Bear front end and Mm. it was very hardware driven. And that hardware actually required, especially for a debit card, specific encryption of the hardware. So you're talking about like a very heavy lift for a business who's trying to invest in making it easier for their customers to pay them. Um, and what's huh. funny is even with e-commerce, so with e-commerce came more, um, with e-commerce came more concerned about security because you didn't know if it was Dory Bright actually buying the pair of Nike shoes online or not. It could have been someone who had Dory's card. In a lot of ways, e-commerce has actually come a very far in, in securing the data. And now you think about Apple Pay, right? Like we didn't have any of this before. You weren't paying with a phone You know, phones weren't really, you know, actively used for any type of payment. And it just speaks to how so many different types of companies are trying to get involved in the transaction. You know, like when you think about it, look at Facebook. It started out as social media, right? It's become much more than that, right? It's ecosystems occurring and there's marketplaces occurring. So, so... The complexity though, I think it's still there. So even when you think about a fresh a frictionless experience, and that's the goal, I think Uber, you know, really is a great example of that. It's an embedded payment. You agree to it, you push a button, it's done. There's a lot behind the scenes, seams by those companies and the and the processors that support them to make that feel so, so seamless and secure. I would say security is a, a big part of user adoption
1: so so, uh, so that's interesting are, are there any other like meta trends besides like uh, seamlessness is a, if I if that's a meta thought right
2: yeah are there any yeah. other
1: trends that are like that that have come about since you've been in the space
2: certainly getting away from the hardware I think is really uh-huh. key when you think about like how big Verifone or Ingenico, those were like the big hardware dealers back in the day. And even before that NCR, right? Probably, wow. I don't even know if you remember NCR, right? It got I think it got bought by AT&T at some point, but they had these big cash registers, these machines in the big retailers. And a lot of that is now becoming integrated solutions, software payment capabilities, so that, you know, any of us could actually be running and accepting, you know, different forms of payment off your phone, off your existing laptop. It's like almost like bring your own device. And I actually think that's a lot easier for people than having to learn hard coded systems that are, you know, F5 is to. Right. (laughs) Training up
0: people. on Yeah.
2: Like can you imagine training the people at your local, you know, Wegmans or Acme and they had to be experts and how to run these machines. It's become a lot more. You know software point-of-sale interfaces that make the even the the uh clerks and the the employee cl- the employees of the companies using it a lot easier
0: yeah
1: because yeah. to your point I still think about when you go to the if you're at the airport and you have like a ticket problem they have to go into there it's all keystroke commands to sort of change your stuff they can't, yeah. they can't it's
2: like a bus system if you're right if you were to see it it would probably be because some of those systems are quite old and they're yeah. antiquated Places,
0: so. And yeah. that seems to be one of the currents you see a lot of programs from like a Visa, a MasterCard around small business and how they're enabling, especially because of COVID, right? The touchless payments. And there used yeah. to be five years ago, you go to the farmer's market downtown and you'd have to bring your cash yeah, and whatever. a lot of cash. And now just, yeah. just three years later, post COVID, it's like, we've got Square, we've got these things and that that adoption, really but but to your point like there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes with something like it's it it looks seamless and it is pretty much from the merchant side and from the customer side but the security all those things are all kind of been packaged and and kind of built behind the scenes
2: so covid i think you bring up a good point charlie covid really pressed the go faster button Mm -hmm. particularly for retailers we think about all of us we're hunkered down we are not leaving our homes. Uh, people actually for a little while weren't, were not even ordering from restaurants, sure. right? They're cooking right. at home, whatever. But they did have to get to a grocery store to pick up their goods or maybe get some products at a target, right? And the big push for the for the big retailers, particularly for you know companies I worked for, was that pay at the curb
0: or right. pay mm-hmm. online, pick sure. up
2: at the curb. And when you think about that ease and convenience, it's, it's pretty nice. Oh, I mean, yeah. when you think about just, the timing your day spent running your household or doing those types of things, it's definitely, it's still good, right? So you can order ahead, pay online. Starbucks with their mobile app, I believe they're doing the majority of their uh, businesses now through that mobile app, they just pick up and go. Right. And there's, a, when you think about it, yes, there's a security issue there, right? Because anybody could go pick up my latte that I ordered, but it it does seem to run overall pretty well on the honor system.
1: Um, I I think it does. Do do you guys, do you think, uh, so are there brands that should be, you know, using the transactional tech and all those back ends differently? Are there other companies or should they be doing it differently? Do we dare open up this question?
2: I think, you know, I was just thinking about this because where, where there's a lot of opportunity is uh, the restaurant space. And when I think about where they are, Right. So it's different for a retailer, right? Shopify is out there. You have a lot of e-commerce uh, capabilities within website building solutions that you have, right. but with restaurant and menu items and like what you want on the side, or you want a certain, you know, like, I think bars are too, like people order like a specific alcohol type or something. It gets, it's gets quite complex right. about the customization people want, but separately the ability that payment to be embedded and go away i would say it's needed so what happens today is at least for me i sit outside of new york city right Right. i call my the guy he takes a card over the phone totally not secure by the way yes
1: uh, (laughs) same with mine i trust
2: him right (laughs) Right. you know i call him every friday so i know who he
0: is
2: (laughs) so if there's something going on with my card right but that that is totally not secure and some of the restaurants now have a card on file, right? So they'll say, right. oh, give me a spore. That's a little easier. But we you go to a restaurant and they're still like, you're waiting for the check at the end of the, the meal. And then the waiter or waitress comes, they take it, they run, they go behind, right? So that's considered a white glove restaurant, right? That's right. supposed to be a high-end restaurant. But as a customer, now I'm waiting. Well, I had to wait because Where where are they when I want to pay? They don't know when I want to pay, right? Or when I want to go, and then two, they run away with the credit or the debit card or maybe the gift card or whatever, and I have to wait. And there's a security get there's a security issue there. So how how could it be so that it's almost like a push to pay, in a way, and the phone by the way everybody has the phone with them, right? So there could be a lot more of a seamless transaction so going on in that space. And I
0: think well, that's during, interesting. during COVID, Toast was one of the uh, companies that's done a lot to scan the, scan the QR code mm. on the receipt and you can pay. But that for the short term created more friction where it's like, well, now I got to log into my Toast thing. And like, but they are looking kind of that end to end solution. And one thing that I know right. in the U.S., Culturally, we have that kind of like they take the card in Europe for a long time. It's been much more like, hey, we're just gonna swipe it right at the right at, right the, at table. the table and that kind of-, of yeah, right, exactly. Right. So we just but kind
2: anyway, of Europe. Yep. Go ahead. Yep, that's we're we are a little uh, like old school to be honest, but Europe is a little bit more advanced, and certainly Asia is as well. Right? QR codes in India, for example, it's like done deal. <laughs> right. Really? So. Yeah. So it's
1: it's more There's, like the Amazon store experience where you go into the and you just you you just walk out you're, when you're done eating. It's it's
2: uh it's very much the, I think for particularly in India where they had to switch very quickly right. to they 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 really moved to accepting digital forms of payment very quickly when they lost their you know the the currency basically changed and the lower level currencies were taken out and uh, people moved to accepting, you know, payments on the phone and things that were more um, traceable, to be honest with you. Uh, And when you think about that ease, it's just part of the day and everyone has a phone on them. I mean, that is sort of the interesting aspect. Um, We all
1: have a piece of glass in our hands.
2: Yes. And then the phone has a wallet on it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where now, which wallet are you using? Are you using the wallet on the phone? Like, there's some adoption there that has some opportunity, I think. But where it becomes where my data is secure, I'm holding it. I'm not giving it away, uh, wow. and I'm I'm sharing certain aspects of it. I think that's important for the end users in a lot of ways.
1: How do how does what you're talking about, like the 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 the, the pardon me the um the process you just spoke of for the for the human at the restaurant, how does that impact the processors and and the, like the backend system? Like- Usually,
2: a QR code is it's getting tied to some sort of transaction type, and then the QR codes, like for example, Clover is one of the right. you know one of the brands. It's totally accepted, right? It and it's become something where if you're pulling up your menu, right? Using QR codes were a big thing I know in New York City. Um, and then from there, if you're able to push to pay with a QR code, as long as it's a transferable transaction, it's tied back to that individual. I think it's, it's, I think it's a fantastic and simple technology. Um, the management of the QR codes or after they're used, that's a, that's something I don't know enough about, right. but I would some maintenance required in, you know, how long you hold the code, uh, right. when do they get cleaned up or maybe even reused after a certain amount of time or is it only a one time, so. Right.
1: So, yeah. so when you were talking about, you know, buy online, pick up at curb, right? Do you yeah. think everything's gonna go that kind of direct to the consumer? Does retail, does, is it gonna be more of a D2C world in that way? Do you think that's gonna happen?
2: You know, when I think about, um, you know, you have the ease of Amazon and Amazon's a marketplace or like an Alibaba is a marketplace. But separately, um, there is a behavioral trend. As even my teenagers, right, will say, like, well, mom, why don't we just buy it direct from the store? Like, why are, why are we shopping around? And there's a benefit to going direct to a consumer, right? For those, for those brands, in that now they have the direct relationship. And as you think about cookies going away and privacy becoming more of a thing, if you have a personalized relationship with your customers and you can do a better personalized approach for maybe that next sale or experience. Maybe it's an experience. Maybe it's something where you want to invite them in to to try to have a little bit more engagement or maybe have them participate in a feedback or, you know, future product development right now, you can do that. You can't do that on marketplaces. You're not getting the information. Frankly, you don't, you don't really own the customer, right? right? So, So you're really losing a lot of opportunity by not having something direct
1: yeah i noticed that that kroger has isn't you know a lot of them are setting up retail ad networks but kroger is just saying we have data if you want some of our data you know we'll 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 partner with you i'm sure that's there's a transaction involved with that of course but yeah. it sounds like they have they have data that they're just you know with, with cpg brands and stuff they can just get their hands on it and work with us. certainly
2: for cpg like you look at walmart walmart right. you know, such a massive retailer right and the big 500 pound gorilla out there along with amazon they did a pretty good job of pivoting e-commerce when they were behind they were yeah super they big, did right and now they've they've entertained more of this like certainly you know pay online and pick up, but also they have a marketplace. And with that marketplace, they now are offering advertising within their, their space. And with, with even that I've been more on the B2B to C or right. SM. what they tend to lack though, is targeting ability. So while everybody can buy um, coffee, you know, Keurigs or whatever, right? right. If you're trying to sell a certain solution, that's like a subset, of your customer base, it usually is a little bit more difficult on those platforms.
1: Oh no, kidding! What
2: what about yeah. um,
1: as companies, you know, what, what I should say is, what do you think transaction data is going to give a company if they have so it? So
2: if I think at um, where a company like Visa, Mastercard, First Data, like these really true, you know global payment, right, right. right. They are looking at the the transaction in aggregate. So even though there might've been five things I bought, they're only looking at the one and who made the purchase, right? At a direct to consumer, like, I don't know, we could pick on, let's say Vans. I love Vans. Vans knows what products I bought. They know if it was the men's, the women's or the kids, right? Mm -hmm. So then when I think about that, and i think about email that i might get so when you think about marketing automation in a more uh direct touch than than retargeting ads which frankly were i think questionable of how how good retargeting ads really were right I'd now might be serving me up something more useful right like back to school um and pictures of their latest trendy sneakers for teenage boys right, right. That's all in that DTC. And I think it's a much more meaningful uh, event and experience for me as a consumer and hopefully for vans too. Right. And, and whereas if I buy it off, you know, I'm making this up, but Kohl's.com, they just know like the boys pair of sneakers were sold at the Kohl's.com. Right. They don't, right. they don't, really are they're not really getting much more from that transaction.
0: We've heard, I've heard this before where it's like a, uh... I my kid wants their allowance in Fortnite V-bucks. Like they they don't, yeah. they, they, don't, don't want, want they, they don't want currency. Currency at all. And parents yeah. being kind of like, "Well, now I have to go get a gift card or I have to go through this or I put my credit card in and kind of do you, do you ever see like it always kind of is this pain. They're going through the Fiat thing cuz that's what they obviously have in their bank account, but Right do you see any kind of evolution from there? Like the kids aren't even thinking about it the same way as far as, you know, I would have back even me being, me being, um, you know, older than, than your kids, obviously spoiler. Um, Spoiler. Like I would have got a gift card and gone through the motions of like getting, you know, moving it into an in-game currency, but they're like, just put it in my account. So their relationship with money is already very, very different.
2: Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's, funny you mention this because when i think about how do kids value money today versus like maybe when i was a kid or you guys were kids very different um and the other aspect of it is how they want to use their money or save it for something Mm -hmm. um so the when i think about you know hey uh, this is money i'm allowed to spend the way i want to spend it and i you know it's Fortnite, And we're seeing more companies now partner in these, particularly gaming. Oh, no kidding. Nominal. You know, I see my son playing FIFA. He just loves it. Now Ted Lasso's team is going to be in there.
1: Of course. (laughs) You
2: know, know, it's it's very immersive and it's where he enjoys to spend time. And he's with his friends, by the way. Right. And then if he's able to buy some add-ons, that's how he wants to spend his money. Right. I think for parents and even when I think about crypto in general or bitcoin some I had a little bit of experience with
1: um We're going to get to that.
2: Currency. Yeah. Um at the end of the day though, the value of it has to be tied to something else today, right? So if you're going to pay for something in, you know, V-bucks or uh, you know, crypto or something, it's like, well, what do you pay for it? Like what is the value Right. And, and to people like me, like I equate it to like, well, what would it be worth in us dollars? Right. That's your baseline.
1: Exactly. Like like Fahrenheit versus Celsius. Right.
2: Exactly. And so, but for the kids, I don't, I don't know if they think of things that way. I don't know if they need that uh, translation, but even if you look at, you know, membership rewards or, points on your credit card and your decision about, am I going to pay cash for it? Or do I think the value of that plane airfare warrants me spending my, you know, credit card bucks or whatever that those are, those are. we people make right about, nah, I'm going to save those, you know, rewards for something else, or I'm going to use it. And I think that is actually worth considering, um, as a business, like, Cause they want people to use their V bucks and their, you know, rewards points. And then how do you, how do you entice people to do it? The kids are definitely doing it today in a way, when you think about to the kid, to the kids getting a, a like allowance, right. in V bucks. So to me, I do think it's important for the kids to understand how they're like paid. So let's say it's 10 bucks a week or whatever. Mm, right. They actually should be more involved in what the $10 could buy them, you know, locally, uh, you know, going out with the friends for a slice of pizza or sure. something versus the B- V-Bucks. And that, I actually think kids should be involved in what the conversion is because that's part of life. That's, that's <laughs> just way. go away. You know, whether you're doing a gift card or a, you know, rewards thing, it it is part of just life in general. When you're going to um, I don't know, a, certain local stores at Dunkin' Donuts or something, you're getting like, hey, you come back 10 times, you're gonna get a free coffee. Like it's part of understanding value of things and also what your work is worth. And sometimes if it's just in the one ecosystem, which is great by the way, but as that, you know, kid evolves or whatever, he may say, Well, oh, I really want, you know, only like 50% of the allowance in the right. Bucks. I want to keep some of this for You know, I'd like to save it for, you know, pair of vans. I was talking about or something Um, because kids in general, don't necessarily handle money either. Right. So I made my kids because I I needed them to stop blowing and stop asking. It was like, (laughs) you go pay with the $10, get the change and check it in order to just understand what you're handling. We did. I did the same thing.
1: Yeah, you give them here. Here is actual fiat currency. You take it in. (laughs) Yeah. You deal with it. You make sure the the what you got back is correct. That was a whole part yeah. of it. Yeah,
0: and I think that's that is a cultural thing that gets into the issue of like what is real and what isn't real. Right. That I've seen yeah. a lot of conversations around like, for that to, to your point earlier, Dory, if you're spending most of your day in Fortnite or in World of Warcraft or in any of the uh, a mobile game, right. like you're wearing, you might be wearing that shirt that you bought with v bucks the skin that you got more than you're going to wear an actual outfit so the idea that that's worth more might seem insane to like an older generation because you can't hold it in your hands same for nft art but for them the value is you know fundamentally different because of where they're engaged and where they're being social and it's a hard it's a real thing to there's kind of this idea of like even regular art well I can take that with me right I can right. I can take that I can move that yeah. it's mine it's in my the the idea of possession which is just it's it becomes very su- subjective at that level as far as um you know what is real, value what is real what, what is, is value? value right which gets back to what currency is at the beginning right it's all just that's that's always been the issue it's right. like it's just a store of value right so yeah. like there does seem to be from just the consumer side, like it feels very frictionless. Generally speaking, assuming you have your information in right, it's one click. Yeah, it's my card. I'm done. Like as a consumer, that's great. The reality is there's a tremendous amount of friction on the backside. That's that's happening. Right. That, and it's expensive. Right. So so the consumer benefit there would be through crypto in theory. Would be that it could lower costs of transactions, and eventually that could have an impact on consumers. That's because I don't have to engage all these partners on the back end. It could help both merch, both the people selling as right. well as the consumer, as far as removing or the... some of those unnecessary, yeah. unnecessary in quotes, middlemen.
2: If, if, if you think about it, Charlie, like so, part of why. I use a certain credit card. For example, I grew up on credit cards, right? Um, Some people are debit cards is rewards, right? Right. But those rewards are always paid by the merchant. The merchant has absolutely no say how I wanted to pay. They offer Mm -hmm. multiple options. I'm picking out my biggest rewards card ever and they're having to foot the bill. So if you think about a brand new world, I don't know how it's going to end up by the way uh, either. So, deeper transaction but so most consumers do not know that the merchant is paying for the rewards it has nothing to do with the that is <laughs> a good note. that is start. a good note right and and it's it's definitely on the backs of like small businesses accepting like payments for a small business it's a huge chunk of their operating expenses i mean there's payroll and there's the real estate of course the products but merchant services uber eats all this type of stuff it's it's a lot of charges that go on to the merchant. So if it's if it's a cheaper transaction, which it is, crypto transaction is much cheaper, then it's really about the education down to the consumers about what's the benefit. Is it is it better for the environment? Questionable. <laughs> right. Is it better for your local community? Yeah, it might be. And, and in fact, would the merchant even say, hey, you know, you could get that a little cheaper? by taking it on a, uh, some sort of digital currency versus a credit card. Like, could there be some things that start to benefit, you know, s- some of the local people a little bit more effectively?
1: So as more and more people come into the transaction space, as you said, and it's already a complex, and we said, a, a you, drew a, you, you you sketched a reasonable circular kind of, you know, convoluted thing that's going on to get stuff paid. What happens as you know the crypto, the the blockchain sort of comes into play? What happens to these people?
2: Well, when I when I think about the ecosystem, because it's massive, yeah. You know, Visa doing. Visa doesn't publish it out, but you know, it's rumored they're doing what twenty four thousand transactions per second. I mean, it, it's hundreds of millions of transactions are occurring, and people. You know, when you think about people paying like a dollar on a credit card or whatever I I don't I don't think that goes away if anything the way merchants like there was a Deloitte study that they did with PayPal and it was late last year December 2021 and they were asking the big retailers you know what do you think of crypto what do you you know where do you think this is headed how do you prepare and it was something like 83 percent said it it is going to happen And they need to be ready for it. And the reason is if a customer would prefer to pay a certain way, certainly that retailer or that business would like to make it a nice customer experience, Sure. let you pay however you want to pay. Right. And then separately, um, well, it, it is legal tender. Like when you think about crypto, you know, certainly in the U S it is accepted and certain countries have gone full blown, which I think, that, you know, even El Salvador still accepts their own uh, their own peso, like colon, and they accept U.S. dollar. It's not like they've done away with everything. There's there are still you know ways to convert it, but it's it's just I I think the merchants are seeing it's not going to go away, and it feels very like Internet of the '90s where people were like
1: interesting yeah,
2: thing, uh, kicking the tires, yeah. yeah. It's going to evolve. It needs regulation. But in general, I think there's a lot of goodness on just more transparency in one way, privacy in another, um, more frictionless capabilities that I think it's, I think it is going to evolve into, a thing. but I think it's going to happen.
0: Thinking about the idea of the wallet and, you know, the primary use of a wallet, right, is to store traditionally would be to store some currency physical right? currency yeah or then it became credit, some cards. credit cards but what you're getting at is interesting too where it's like but also if you really think about how a wallet was i was thinking of like back in the day my my mom had one of those wallets that like folds out and you know they have like all the different cards and different compartments sure but there was rewards cards in there there were special things and like that is truly what some of this wallet technology is like you could learn a lot about her buying habits what stores cuz she it. had a Kohl's, you know, 10 punch kind of thing or whatever else and it really is kind of a moving just digitizing a lot of that and there's so much information in that wallet phys- back in the day physically right. as well as now and the, the technology still needs to figure out you know again millions of different wallets and things like that but that access to that data is, is going to be like we said at the beginning going to be really powerful
1: that is going to be wild what, what do you I think
2: it... oh go, go ahead no,
1: go ahead please
2: if a wallet, so the wallets now are holding like medical record right. <laughs> urgency. So as the wallet evolves to be like my hub, where my information, I own it, I manage it. I share it as I, I actually prefer that. Like nothing scares me more than my medical information sitting at a doctor's office and they photocopied my photo ID, right? And do I think that they're not you know, able to be breached. I definitely do, right? And they they probably are being, and they don't even know it. So the more that the data can be, you know, I put in the wallet and it's like a super app that it's holding, not just the payment methods, but maybe some more information about me. maybe it's even investments. Maybe it's my insurance, right? Your your
1: healthcare, your insurance, right? All of it.
2: My car insurance even, right? right? And controlling who I share it with when and how, I actually think that's much more powerful than having my data sit everywhere else, which is unfortunately how it lives today.
1: I wonder if there's a future where you're charging brands if you want access to my data. I will charge you a fee for that.
0: For sure. And yeah. I think the super app has kind of caught on in, in, in like some of the like China and places, right. but um, you know, where you can social media, all that stuff exists within kind of one ecosystem. But as you'd expect with some of the stuff like in China in particular the control doesn't rest as much in your hands, right? No. So that's kind of an interesting... No, not there. But that's an su- interesting uh, subtext of decentralization is the heart of that is actually centralizing...
1: Individually.
0: Yeah, your stuff within your control and having access because I, I agree completely with the ab- the ability to, if, ne- if need be, turn on or turn off. I mean, it's it's even worse in a medical sense when you go to a new doctor. It's like, here's your history. It's like, how many times have you... Fill, fill that this form. form again. I it's mean, a physical it's like form. Every, and it's in, It's yeah, kind yeah. of insane that you can't just it's standardize. Not that. You know. Or you set yes. to your point, you set up a you set it up on one one doctor's back end that doesn't talk to another one and right. the files can't port around. I mean I remember as as far as like only four or five years ago, I needed like dental records when I moved, and they sent me a CD-ROM. <laughs> I was like, what wow. do I don't even do with a CD, a, yeah, a CD-ROM. I like had to get an external CD drive to <laughs> wow. even put it in anything. But that's a good yeah. illustration of that kind of walled gardens that aren't even right. well built, <laughs> like right, that exists right. in these different places. Yes. All right, we we gotta we gotta do. We're, we're running. We're getting towards the
1: end. Let's throw out. We got we got a few audiences. Oh, we yeah. want we want you to like. Uh, <laughs> Talk about and think of where the currency is heading for them. All right, where okay. where where currency where their approach to transacting is heading. So Okay, a, a, a millennial mom named Dawn
2: Okay, so I I do think they're probably got their money in multiple places and Definitely are looking for ease and convenience. So anything, you know seamless embedded fast is is gonna be the winner there. Um, could be crypto, may have a little investment account, you never know, okay. um, but mainly not cash. All right, how about, a,
1: <laughs> how about a senior citizen in a retirement home named Pat?
2: Okay, Pat definitely has the checkbook and that mm-hmm. checkbook is just how Charlie described it. <laughs> it's got a fold out and there's multiple colors and different things in there they like they like the, you know, they, they like the old way and they, they feel, even though checks are not secure, your, your account number is actually at the bottom. You're, you know, you're giving oh, it to right. some
0: Poor they Pat. Pat's going to get her identity stolen. <laughs>
1: Pat's, yeah. Pat's going to get her account rated. Um, <laughs> yeah. What, yeah. what what about a senior in high school named Bilbo?
0: I named uh, these they're people.
2: Definitely. Yeah. They're the V-books. They're the digital. They're the Venmo, right? Yeah. It's, uh, I think when I think about my own kids they're probably the anomaly because I did say to you I do you know for things like use the cash see what you get back please add it please add it up right you know they are other people were using debit cards with their kids you know when they were much younger than mine that's for sure
1: Okay how about an orthopedic surgeon named Sanjay
2: So that's interesting because some somebody like that when I was speaking to people in the crypto space about like so who are these audiences and You talk about the unbanked right, and like poor countries and they have hyperinflation and all this, but actually there's a lot of people that are using it or were using it probably, maybe not now it's, you know, the value's so down, but they were using it as an investment strategy, not all of their money, but a portion as an investment opportunity there. And then what they would, they use it for to me, if you're using it for an investment, it's something for the future, like maybe for your kids, maybe
1: your future future plan, right
2: it's not there yet, but you know, I'm sure it's being considered. So,
1: all right. What about a single guy named Dennis? Who's 35?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I think about that, that's really, you know, could be in the gaming space, definitely the virtual, um, also looking for, you know, I would say anything easy, not a cash user, but probably, probably got some credit cards on the line. (laughs) Um, Debit card might be really more of the player there, and then as they go with the the crypto. When I think about digital currency, there, I think it's going to take a little bit of time before people are really, you know, the, to your point, the value of whatever digital currency has to be more steady state, so people know what it's worth.
0: So here's a real softball. Um, what do you think the government's role is going <laughs> to be in playing these? I have so this a is where...
2: Yeah. You know, this is where the people that are the, the big, you know, the original crypto, you know, a lot of the people I worked with, they're going to hate this, but the government, you know, is interested in digital currency, right? Our own government is, and then, but it has the surround, right? Regulatory, like when you think about what's what's missing today, there are regulatory things that are, the rules are not written. Think of it this way. I was thinking like, what if all the miners decided they didn't want to mine Bitcoin? Sure. There's not that many, right? So if all wow. of a sudden they didn't like something going on and stopped mining, we got a problem on our hands, right? So there needs to be checks and balances in any digital currency, how it's created, certainly environmental impact. That I do think there could be something there, and is it is it stable? Um, that's really one of the key things.
1: How long till we do away with physical currency in the U.S.?
2: Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so your kids can say, I, you know, I, still,
0: I didn't so need to learn. This. Yeah. So you're, your kids see. say, I didn't need to learn this, mom.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I like I, I. When I think about kids and like kids don't, they don't even know how to write a check. By the way, they're not taught that. No. Uh, money, you know, money in their birthday cards. That does still happen, but it's it's one of these things. India did move away from the their smaller denominations and having it in the in their cash flow and it was a very moving moving event for a whole country of that size to do it. So I think if it's if money is misused that's probably a quicker way to get rid of it whereas digital if it's it's totally traceable if it is. But I don't I don't know. I think it's a ways off. I think okay. people like cash. Do you guys have an Easy Pass on the highway? Do you have somewhere where you could have you pay? Yeah, I,
0: I just use yeah, that. Yeah, it's an IPass, Pass, but yeah. it's compatible with Easy yeah, Pass. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Same idea. Yeah.
2: Do, do you ever notice how many people still pay cash?
1: Yeah, there are you. There are lines over there.
2: There are lines. So I used as soon as it came out, I was using it right. many, many years ago. But there's still people that want; they don't trust the system, so. <laughs> That's
0: you always have yeah. your mattress as your last right. Right. There's always your last storage vehicle. <laughs>
1: right. That's my wallet is my mattress. My mattress is my wallet. You exactly. just gave us the title for the podcast. There, there, you, go, go. Bud. there you go. My mattress is my wallet.
0: <laughs> the future of mattress technology and <laughs> right. fiat currency. Right.
1: <laughs> Listen, Dory, thank you so very much. This has been awesome. Yep. Super cool to hear this. I learned Likewise. a bunch. I learned a bunch.
0: Same.